Chapter eighty three of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter eighty three. In which the Knight of the Silver Spectacles makes the acquaintance of the sage Black Dillon and confers with him in his retreat at that time there had appeared in dublin an erratic genius in the medical craft a young surgeon black dillon they called him the glory and disgrace of his calling such as are from time to time raised up to abase the pride of intellect and terrify the dabblers in vice a prodigious mind illuminating darkness and shivering obstacles at a blow with an electric force possessing the power of a demigod and the lust of a swine without order without industry defying all usages and morality lost for weeks together in the catacombs of vice and emerging to reassert in an hour the supremacy of his intellect without principles or shame laden with debt and shattered and poisoned with his vices a branded and admired man in the presence of this outcast genius and prodigy of vice stood mr dangerfield there were two other gentlemen in the same small room one of whom was doggedly smoking with his hat on over the fire the other snoring in a crazy armchair on the back of which hung his wig the window was small and dirty the air muddy with tobacco smoke and inflamed with whiskey singing and the clang of glasses was resounding from the next room together with peals of coarse laughter and from that on the other side the high tones and hard swearing and the emphatic slapping of a heavy hand upon the table indicating a rising quarrel were heard from one door through another across the narrow floor on which mr dangerfield stood every now and then lounged some neglected dirty dissipated-looking inmate of these unwholesome precincts in fact surgeon dillon's present residence was in that diversorium peccatorum before court's martial sea in molesworth court as these gentlemen shuffled or swaggered through they generally nodded winked grunted or otherwise saluted the medical gentleman and stared at his visitor for as the writer of the harleian tract i forget its name pleasantly observes in jail there are no proud men but will be quickly acquainted without ceremony mr dangerfield stood erect all his appointments were natty and his dress though quiet rich in material and there was that air of reserve and decision and command about him which suggests money an article held much in esteem in that retreat he had a way of seeing everything in a moment without either staring or stealing glances and nobody suspected him of making a scrutiny in the young surgeon he saw an object in strong contrast with himself he was lean and ungainly shy and savage dressed in a long greasy silk morning gown blotched with wine and punch over the breast 
he wore his own black hair gathered into a knot behind and in a neglected dusty state as if it had not been disturbed since he rolled out of his bed this being placed his large red unclean hands with fingers spread like a gentleman playing the harpsichord upon the table as he stood at this side opposite to mr dangerfield and he looked with a haggard surly stare on his visitor through his great dark deep-set prominent eyes streaming fire the one feature that transfixed the attention of all who saw him he had a great brutal mouth and his nose was pimply and inflamed for bacchus has his fires as well as cupid only he applies them differently how polished showed mr dangerfield's chin opposed to the three days beard of black dillon how delicate his features compared with the lurid proboscis and large sensual sarcastic mouth of the gentleman in the dirty morning gown and shapeless slippers who confronted him with his stare an image of degradation and power tuppence dr dillon said a short fat dirty nymph without stays or hoop setting down a nagging whisky between the medical man and his visitor the doctor to do him justice for a second or two looked confoundedly put out and his eyes blazed fiercer as his face flushed three halfpence outside and twopence here sir said he with an awkward grin throwing the money on the table that's the way our shepherd de glubat oves sir she's brought it too soon but no matter it was not one o'clock in fact they will make mistakes sir but you will not suffer their blunders long i warrant said dangerfield lightly pray sir can we have a room for a moment to ourselves we can sir tis a liberal house we can have anything liberty itself sir for an adequate sum replied mr dillon whatever the sum was the room was had and the surgeon who had palpably left his nagging uneasily in company with the gentleman in the hat and him without a wig eyed dangerfield curiously thinking that possibly his grand aunt molly had left him the fifty guineas she was rumoured to have sewed up in her stays there's a great deal of diversion sir in five hundred guineas said mr dangerfield and the spectacles dashed pleasantly upon the doctor ye may say that answered the grinning surgeon with a quiet oath of expectation tis a handsome fee sir and you may have it five hundred guineas ah you've heard sir perhaps of the attempted murder in the park on dr stirk of the artillery for which mr nutter now lies in prison said mr dangerfield that i have sir well you shall have the money sir if you perform a simple operation tis not to hang him you want me said the doctor with a gloomy sneer hang him ha ha no sir dr stirk still lives but insensible he must be brought to consciousness and speech now the trepan is the only way to effect it and i'll be frank with you 
dr pal has been with him half a dozen times and he says the operation would be instantaneously fatal i don't believe him so also says sir hugh skelton to whom i wrote in london i don't believe him either at all events the man is dying and can't last very many days longer so there's nothing risked his wife wishes the operation here's her note and i'll give you five hundred guineas and what are you here for only eighteen unless some more has come in this morning answered the doctor and your liberty sir that on the spot if you undertake the operation and the fee so soon as you have done it the doctor's face blazed with a grin of exultation he squared his shoulders and shook himself a little and after a little silence he demanded can you describe the case sir as you stated it to sir hugh skelton surely sir but i rely for it and the terms upon the description of a village doctor named toole an ignoramus i fear and with this preface he concisely repeated the technical description which he had compiled from various club conversations of dr toole's to which no person imagined he had been listening so closely if that's the case sir twill kill him kill or cure sir tis the only chance rejoined dangerfield what sort is the wife sir asked black dillon with a very odd look while his eye still rested on the short note that poor mrs sturk had penned a nervous little woman of some two or three and forty answered the spectacles the queer look subsided he put the note in his pocket and looked puzzled and then he asked is he any way related to you sir none in life sir but that does not affect i take it the medical question no it does not affect the medical question nothing can observed the surgeon in a sulky sardonic way of course not answered the oracle of the silver spectacles and both remained silent for a while you want to have him speak well suppose there's a hundred chances to one that trepan kills him on the spot what then demanded the surgeon uncomfortably dangerfield pondered also uncomfortably for a minute but answered nothing on the contrary he demanded and what then sir but here in this case said black dillon there's no chance at all you see there's no chance good bad or indifferent none at all but i believe there is replied dangerfield decisively you believe but i know see sir said dangerfield darkening and speaking with a strange snarl i know what i'm about i've a desire sir that he should speak if twere only two minutes of conscious articulate life and then death tis not a pin's point to me how soon left to himself he must die therefore to shrink from the operation on which depends the discovery both of his actual murderer and of his money sir otherwise lost to his family is is a damn affectation i think it so do you sir and i offer five hundred guineas as your fee 
and mrs sturk's letter to bear you harmless then there was a pause dangerfield knew the man's character as well as his skill there were things said about him darker than we have hinted at the surgeon looked very queer and gloomy down upon the table and scratched his head and he mumbled gruffly you see you know tis a large fee to be sure but then come sir said dangerfield looking as though he'd pulled him by the ear it is a large fee and you'll get no more you should not stick at trifles when there's uh uh justice and humanity and to be brief sir yes or no yes answered the doctor but how's the fee secured hey i'd forgot right sir you shall be satisfied and he took a pen and wrote on the back of a letter sir considering the hopeless condition in which dr stirk now lies and the vast importance of restoring him dr stirk of the ria to the power of speech even for a few minutes i beg to second mrs stirk's request to you and when you shall have performed the critical operation she desires i hereby promise whether it succeed or fail to give you a fee of five hundred guineas paul dangerfield the brass castle chapel is it and he dated it and handed it to the surgeon who read it through and then looked with a gruff hesitation at the writer oh you've only to inquire any one who knows chapel is it will tell you who i am and you'll want something eh to take you out of this how much only seven guineas there's a little score here and some fees eighteen will cover everything unless something has come in this morning so they went to the hatch and made inquiries and all being well mr dangerfield dealt liberally with the surgeon who promised to be in attendance at dr stirk's house in chapel is it at seven o'clock next evening and pray dr dillon come in a coach said dangerfield and in costume you understand they've been accustomed you know to see pell and other doctors who make a parade and with these injunctions they parted and the surgeon whose luggage was trifling jumped into a coach with it and jingled home to his den and his liberty end of chapter eighty three recording by john brandon